If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm delighted to be back with you now that spring is here. It is so lovely. We've got leaves coming out on the trees. And yes, it is nearly the end of April, which is the end of no, in fact, it's May. And this is this is what it's like here. You know, I remember going to I was back in Berlin back in March visiting my son and his wife. And absolutely loved the fact that the trees were bursting into leaf and there was blossom on the trees and some of the spring flowers were out. And that's just one thing I regret about living in Ontario is that we have to wait until May to actually see greenery again. But uh, having said that, I do love the passage of the seasons. It's, it's just amazing. Now, we we always have something that um that means something in each month for our vacation rentals and in in may it's what we call the may 24 weekend now when i first came out to ontario i had no idea what the may 24 weekend was i thought it had something to do with the date which uh, was in fact totally incorrect it's actually the Victoria Day weekend. It celebrates Queen Victoria's birthday. Uh, but the May 2-4 designation came about because it's the traditional time when, when bunches of people leave the city, go out to cottage country, and they drink lots of beer from their cases of 24. So May 2-4 came about. That's when everybody heads off to cottage country with cases of beer. Interesting, hey? Um and what it what it causes for us in our business, you know, it's the first first real weekend of the summer. So we get a lot of inquiries for our vacation rental properties, most of which we turn away because they are distinctly party groups. And we don't entertain party groups in any of our properties. We're looking for family groups. But it is a risk. It's you know, it's a risk that uh, we'll we'll get a group of people telling us that they are a nice family group of a couple of adults and a couple of children. It turns out that they're twenty twenty year olds looking to celebrate the May two four weekend and just very savvy about what they tell us about who they are. That just got me thinking about the whole issue of risk. In this business, you know, we, we all have elements of risk, whether it's risk of overcrowding, risk of noise, risk of people using people smoking, using fireworks, all these sorts of things. And then, of course, there's the risk of liability claims if perhaps there's a negligence uh, issue. So I thought that I would present over the, ne- the course of a couple of episodes not perhaps consecutively, I'm going to do, this is part one of what I'm calling vacation rentals, a risky business. And then part two is going to come along in a couple more weeks, but we're going to address 
some of these risk issues. And I'm going to introduce a couple of people who have created products that help to mitigate those risks in some way. And I'm also going to be talking to an insurance provider to talk about liability issues. So the reason I'm doing it in two parts, because it's going to be long, it's probably going to be a couple of hours, and, and I want to make it easy for you to download and not be you know, just, just too lengthy. Um, but also just to, to call it Vacation Rentals a Risky Business in parts one and two, and maybe even part three, so that um, I can bundle them together or you can bundle them together and listen to one after the other, if you so wish, if you want to talk or hear us talking about risk in this business. Because risk is something you, you cannot get away from. I mean, I've, I've talked a lot before about emergency planning and making sure that you have your plans in place in case things happen, in case the untoward happens and something gets really damaged or you have neighbor complaints or, heavens forbid, you know, the police get called in by your neighbors. And, and this is not unknown. So the first, uh, the first interview I want to include in this, uh, in this episode is with the founder of a company called Party Squasher um, at PartySquasher.com. And her name is Amanda Mills. She's an Airbnb super host and has been for a number of years. And she manages eight, eight properties. And we're going to hear Amanda's story and how an episode at one of her properties that was pretty disastrous, uh, caused her to develop a, this product called Party Squasher. So I'm not going to say any more about that. I just want to go straight on over to the interview with Amanda and let her tell you about it herself. So I'm delighted to have with me today Amanda Mills, who's the founder of PartySquasher.com. And I'm so excited to talk to Amanda because I, I love the idea of this product. We're going to get to it in a minute. But first of all, let me say hello to Amanda and thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Heather. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be part of this. Well, it's it, it's great to talk to you. And I know we're, going, we're actually going to meet very shortly at the Vacation Rental Success Summit. Um, but for now, I really wanted to, to talk to you about your experiences uh, as a an Airbnb host, because I know there's some experiences that you've had that led you to uh, create the product that we're going to be talking about later. So tell me, how did, how did you get into the vacation rental business in the first place? What? So I started in 2012 um, and I have a cottage in the back of my house. I live in Silicon Valley next to a bunch of tech centers like Facebook and Google um, so there's always demand for short-term rentals here. Um, and I basically started that because at the time I was transitioning jobs and a little extra money would, wouldn't hurt. <laughs> so I, that was then and there. And then pretty much it was so successful that my friends begged me to rent their cottages out of their house. And uh, I grew from there. So, so how, how um, many do you have now? So I have eight now. And they're all cottages or where the owner lives on site as well. Okay, when you say cottages, I'm going to have to get because my my idea of the word cottage is is this little wooden cabin in the woods. Uh, so, <laughs> what, what what is what what is your um, description of cottage? 
Yeah, that's a great question, especially since you're the cottage blogger. Um, so these are homes that are, are primarily either a converted garage in some of the cases. They're turned into like a mother-in-law unit or they were built at the, in the house for a second place for people to stay. So some of them have um, full kitchens. And, and actually, my latest one is a two-story guest house in a, a very large estate in Woodside. Um, and some of them do not have kitchens kitchens, and they're more like a yeah, hotel room, if you will. Um, but these, these are all properties where the owner, the owner's on site. Correct. It wasn't always this way, <laughs> but um, I did have some where the owner actually moved to China for six months and then the owner was not on site. But um, yeah, at the at the moment, they all live on site. So so you're also a super host. You know, Airbnb is still pretty new to me. I, I think because we, uh, up, up here in Ontario, although Airbnb is very popular in, in the cities, in Toronto and Ottawa and the larger cities, uh, we're way out in the in the boonies, you know, in, in rural Ontario. And Airbnb has not really made much inroads into that market, although it is doing so very rapidly uh, at the moment. So I'm always interested to to talk about the Airbnb experience because it's you know I'm just not that that used to it. So tell me what being a superhost actually means um, overall and what it means to you. So overall, you, you have certain standards that you have to achieve on the platform to become a superhost. So at least eighty percent of your reviews uh, within that last year need to be five-star experiences. And so, you know, what that means is if a guest doesn't, or if they don't make a review, that that hurts you in a way because you also have to have 50% review rate and 80% of those have to be five-star above. So that's technically what it means to be a super host. To me, you know, I'm a Silicon Valley traditional person, high achiever. So it's validation that the guests are happy and it's a badge that goes on the site next to your name. So, um, you know, most importantly, guests just feel more comfortable when booking your place. And I think you can achieve a higher price as well, just because they know that you've got, you know, low, I've got a couple, um, 300 reviews now. So they know um, what they're going to get when they arrive with Superhost. They're going to get a very high quality experience. As I say, I'm new to Airbnb, not only from from a host perspective, um, we, we're just about to list a dozen or so of of our properties uh, as a trial period on Airbnb, but also as a user. Um, I've just I've only ever stayed in Airbnbs twice now, and that was just two months ago. So it's just new, and I was interested in the way that I went at, went went around the process of booking. You know, look, you know mm-hmm. how I was looking, and I I have to say that I did find the badge the super the um the super host badge um quite uh it made it made me feel a little bit more confident in 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 the process so yeah um it it obviously is something good for people to aim for um you've obviously learned a lot you've been doing this for a few years now tell me some of the lessons that you've learned from your years as a host yeah i mean i think the the best the overall lesson is, you know, the more you can communicate with the guests, the better the experience um, for the guests and the better experience for you, too. So 
one of the biggest lessons I learned was obviously how Party Squasher came about, um, which is we had a, a guest who booked in one of our places in San Jose. And this was the one where the owner actually moved to China for three months. And so it was during that time that we got a booking request. It was quite last minute. Um, and the guy wasn't great at communication, number one. And he also didn't have his photo on the the post, which was also a little bit of a, a red flag in hindsight. Um, but, you know, to make a long story short, he showed up He with two people. It was a bigger house. So that's a little strange to have uh, two bedroom, two bathroom house for two people. Usually they, w- they would choose a, a smaller place. Um, and they proceeded to make meth in the house, which was a not <laughs> part of our house rules, as you can imagine, um, and have a lot of people in and out. And this went on for a week. And we knew that there were more guests than usual because a neighbor told us about some oddly parked cars. But we didn't know that quite the quantity and, and obviously what was happening in the house, illegal activities. Um, so when we get got in the house, we discovered it was, a, you know, completely destroyed. The carpets were destroyed. The bedding had white toxic stuff all over it. Um, we had to get a bunch of new items. And even they came back to steal the TV, which was, was crazy. Um, but it taught a, a bunch of lessons. And, you know, one of them being... We needed a, a smart tool to be able to count the number of guests to get a more of a pulse of what's happening in your house if you're not there. That that's an amazingly amazing story in in, a, in on a number of levels. One is you know I'm I'm so sorry that it happened to you because you know I've I've been in this business for so many years for over twenty years now and and these stories I mean the. The, the press loves to talk about them, but I'm sure you'll agree they are few and far between. Yep. They're, they're, they're just a very small percentage of the overall numbers of reservations that go through um, every platform in the course of a year. But when it happens to you, all those statistics really don't matter at all, do they? Correct. Yeah, it's a very emotional experience too because you feel you know cheated and lied to um, and you feel a bit scared too that you know in this case they got a copy of the key that they could come back later even though we changed the locks but you just realize that you know your goodness of your heart here you are welcoming guests from all over the world and you you actually really care about the the whole end-to-end experience and then they've come in and just really disrespected the entire community by their actions mm-hmm. so so tell me about party squasher then um and and the evol- how that evolved and and what it is today yeah great um so i was at a trade show a couple months after um what i call the party disaster and i encountered some retail technology and basically what that technology does it's a little device that that goes in the space whether it's a retail shop or a home and it counts the number of unique mobile devices around um the, the device. So I realized that while the technology has been used for a number of years in retail, that it's really perfect for a home. Um, and so Party Squasher came about from there. I actually bought the technology and tested it myself in, in my six properties um, at the time. And then I 
decided to quit my job. Um, I was at a, a larger tech company, and I joined this uh, startup called Blue Fox IO. And Blue Fox was it has been in this business of the counting mobile uh, phones, and we created from scratch what is now known as Party Squasher. And so the the basic way that it works is you you buy the device, um, you buy it online at partysquasher.com. Um, you go to the house where you want to monitor the traffic. You set it up using a mobile app on your phone. And then you get alerts when the number of guests exceeds the limit that you've set. Um, one thing I always tell people is it's not a one-to-one match between guests and people, although it usually is fairly close. But it could be that one guest had two phones or a tablet so you want to be a little bit careful about assuming that they you wouldn't want to charge an extra daily rate based on w- one extra device being there. But it gives you a great indication of, of knowing when people arrive, knowing when they check out, and knowing if they're generally um, within the range of visitors that are expected. So... How how does it actually work? What what is the technology behind it? Do, um, do do guests have to have their phones switched on or or you know attached to an or, or in the network or is it is it would it just detect a phone in someone's pocket? Yeah, I mean the the technology is meant to literally detect the phone in in your pocket. You don't have to be connected to the Wi-Fi network at the house which is the case, you know, when you're coming to a party, you're, you're probably not on the Wi-Fi network. Um, you do have to have your phone switched on um, because the, the technical way we're doing it is we're using Wi-Fi signals from the phone and we're counting these unique ID numbers in, in the Wi-Fi signals. So you have to have your phone on. Um, 80% of people always have their Wi-Fi on, so you have to have that on. And you are then counted by our system. And and how how does the homeowner know about this? Is there a, I'm assuming that there's an there's an app and there's a, um, a dashboard of some sort where they can they can go and check out how many devices there are. Exactly. Yeah, we have a mobile app that's um, available for iPhone and Android, and so on that dashboard, you you open it up, you configure the house size and your detection. Um, maximum and and all of that within the app and then you just have a dashboard so exactly that you can see both what real time is happening in your house and there's a timeline view so you can see the last seven days um, on an hour by hour basis to see the device levels for those past seven days. Uh, what about disclosure, Amanda? Because I, I've, I've talked to people about uh, you know video surveillance where they have videos um, maybe covering their, their their front door entrance so they can see people coming in and out. And we always say that you must let your guests know that you have surveillance of some sort and, and be very transparent as to what you have. Now, yeah, do, do you... Totally agree. Yeah, do you suggest that owners would do the same with Party Squasher? Yeah, absolutely. So we suggest that in your house rules is a great place to... Um, put this disclosure, particularly if you're on Airbnb, um, you actually agree to the house rules before you book. And same with other sites as well. So you, you want to put um, that you're using monitoring technology to help protect your house rules. We have some suggested legal language on our website that you can use 
Um, some people like to keep it a little bit shorter. Some people want the full disclosure, but um, definitely agree. You want to, you want to disclose it. And to be honest, it's totally fine if somebody is planning to have a party that they move along and choose a different house. Yeah. <laughs> so if they're so scared by, by this technology, then, then we're fine to uh, have them choose another place to stay. What sort of range does it have? Because I'm thinking if, if, if you're in, does it, does it work in a condo or are you going to start detecting devices in other units? Yeah, great question. So the um, full range, like if it was in an open field, is we can go about 125 feet in all direction of the box. So even one of the party squasher devices is in a mansion in L.A. Um, that's used for events and it covers the entire property. Um, so, so it goes very big. You can also hone down your range, um, to more like a, a one room size, but the technology is, um, it uses Wi-Fi, And what happens is that it's a circular range and actually spherical. So upstairs, downstairs, side to side, all within your range. So we recommend it for detached houses because in a condo setting, you have a neighbor that could be on with a shared wall and there's really no technical way of taking out your neighbor's traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, for some people, if they just want the pulse and they're not looking for exactness, you could put it in a larger condo and you could update your baseline to exclude the normal traffic in your neighbor's house. Um, so that's a workaround, but still, you know, you just, it's not, it's not going to be a perfect count if you don't have a, a detached house. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So what sort of feedback are you getting from users? Yeah, we're, you know, it's been very a good launch. We launched in September. We attended a few different events like VRMA um, containing really the pros. I mean, like you, Heather, people that have more than a hundred properties and they have all had a, a party or two happen. Like you said, it's a low percentage, but they knew exactly the pain point. And they were thrilled to have this and immediately understood the value proposition. Um, We've also, even from the early days, went to the Airbnb Open Conference and pitched it to, you know, more the the typical homeowner that's thinking about some adding some extra precaution, but maybe has never had that pain point. Um, and so I'd say that the group that's been more widely adopting the technology, they're more like the pros because they understand the risk and it's a numbers game and, and they want, you know, every tool that they can get to minimize risk in their business. Um, some of the main comments and in, in ways that we've been able to help is we, with this group, you know, we didn't know when we first launched that it would be so many of the, the bigger guys. So one of the things in our app is that it was hard to see if you had more than two listings. It was hard to scroll and stuff. So we've made some improvements there, which is more optimized for um, for people with more listings. And we've also opened up an API, which means that if you have, let's say, um, 200 places and you want to get a pulse of what's happening in all 200 places, that you can send the data into another tool that you use, like if you already use a a different kind of software, you can put um, the occupancy level data information inside tools that you already use rather than having another mobile app like we have today. So we've just added more options for particularly for the bigger, um, more B2B style customers. So so what's in the future for 
um, for party squasher? Yeah, so we can't talk about future roadmaps. <laughs> uh, that always gets a little tricky and I would get in trouble for that. Um, but I would say definitely we're excited to be launching in more countries and we're planning to continue that trend. We've just launched in Australia um, and that's that's been an exciting launch because the um, Australian market has a lot of detached homes and a culture to where parties are a problem. <laughs> so so that's been our most recent uh, country launch. That that is great. That that really is, and I'm I'm so delighted that you will be at the Vacation Rental Success Summit, and you're sponsoring one of the tracks, which is is fantastic. Um, so how for for, for those who um are not going to come to VRSS and won't be meeting you, how how else can people get in touch with you and learn more about Party Squasher? Yeah, so you guys can send us an email at info at partysquasher dot com. You can also go to our website partysquasher.com and you can see, you know, the, the technology in action. Um, and if you're buying more than two devices, you get free shipping. So that's kind of an exciting offer. Um, but yeah, absolutely. If you're, you have any questions at all, contact us, go to our website and we would be delighted to work with you one-on-one to, to really make sure that you can get access to this tool. And, and really, it was, you know, like we've said in this in this discussion, it was built, you know, with love for other hosts by somebody who faced the problem firsthand. So, you know, I would be delighted to talk to you individually so that you can get one for yourself. I, I always love this when I when I get to talk to to somebody who has created something that has come out of, of a specific need that they had in the business. It's like talking to Alex and Tammy from Properly. You know that 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 need to to create a checklist checklist for their for their cleaning staff, so they came up with properly. So it um, it just brings even more relevance to the product, I think, because you've you've gone through the motions. You know what it's like out there in this uh, in this vacation rental stroke hosting world. So I'm so pleased to be able to include this in our a risky business themed episode so thank you so much for joining me amanda look forward to seeing you in a couple of days yeah thank you so much for having me heather well thanks amanda for that that was uh, a, a great insight into how an experience at a property can translate itself into a product that um, meets the needs of of owners I, I like this particular one. It's probably one that I'm going to be recommending to our property owners, mainly because we are so close to the city. We're, the majority of our, of our properties are within a one and a half to three hour drive of the city. It's so easy for somebody to get to a property and just call home and say, hey, come on, guys, let's uh, let's have a make a party weekend out of this. I'd be interesting to hear from anybody who thinks that this invades is an invasion of privacy. I personally don't think so. I don't think there's ethical issues in here, but if anybody's got a comment on that, just uh, just let me know. So the other issue, which it's an issue of noise, and that, of course, is important to any property owner. If a group of people arrive at a property and they are noisy enough, either inside or outside, to impact the neighbours, then of course that is a problem. For our own particular demographic and locations, 
it's more outside noise that causes the most problems for us because of acoustics on a lake. If you've ever been up to uh, a lake in cottage country and you're out on the dock in the early morning or the late evening when the lake is still and you can hear the sound of the loons, you can usually hear what's going on in other cottages a long distance away as well. Domestic disputes are one. We can we can often often stand out on our dock and hear neighbours a, a kilometre away. Having a, a good domestic dispute, probably in their kitchen or in their bedroom, and if their windows are open, it is broadcast to everyone on the lake. And it's it's something that we do tell our guests when they go out to cottage country, you know, be just just be careful about noise. But of course the other issue of noise is when there's people out and about late at night around a campfire having a great time. Somebody brings a guitar, they start to sing, it gets raucous and and that's when the neighborhood uh, the neighbor complaints start. And we do have noise ordinance on every lake. You know, silence has to be in place from sometimes 10 o'clock in the evening. But in, in many most places, it is from 11 to 7 in the morning, the noise ordinance comes into effect. And, and neighbours will call the police if people are too noisy. In urban areas, of course, the issue of noise is more confined to the indoor space, where you're in a condo and noise generated from a space can be discernibly heard by neighbours in, uh, in the surrounding apartments. And, and this is where the idea of noise aware came about. I, I have the CEO and founder of noiseaware.com on my next interview, and I'm going to leave it to David Krauss to tell us about how this all came about and what noiseaware is as a product. So I'm delighted to have with me today David Krauss from noiseaware.io. In this, on this topic of mitigating risk, uh, David has uh, founded a product that I think is fascinating and probably very, very useful for many people in this industry. So welcome, David. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Heather. Glad to be here. It's, it's a pleasure to have you. Now, David, I asked this question of everybody. How did you get into the vacation rental business? Because I know you just you probably just didn't out of the blue say, oh, I've got a product for the industry. What, what got you to this place? I was kind of an accidental professional in this space. Uh, I got a taste for it when I was moving from Boston to Dallas and realized I could combine my passions and my history in real estate with hospitality and travel and meeting different people and that's when I went full bore into being a manager of short-term rentals. And uh, not long after that, I actually had two properties under management when with a very vanilla, normal, regular reservation, uh, somebody said they needed to stay near, near the city in order to attend a basketball game. And I lived two miles away from this particular listing and the whole weekend long, she had people coming and going, and uh, you know we call it mini Coachella. It could have been a you know high school reunion. Uh, we estimate twenty to thirty people, and really, what you know is a multifamily environment too. People do come and go. That's not unusual. What is unusual is, was for the neighbors to experience you know this party house for a weekend concept, 
and uh, being two miles away. And the last to find out about this party was really a problem. And the way I found out was was really embarrassing. And, you know, somebody who takes pride in my uh, managing and my ability to vet, I just feel like I got totally fleeced and I felt uh, kind of, you know, vulnerable after that. So I when I was trying to do everything right. And, um, you know, it turns out that there was a police report and 14 noise complaints. I ended up having to dispossess the property. It's really kind of a, a nightmare horror story. It cost me about $30,000 just because of this one reservation. That, that's awful. We all, we all hate to hear these stories, and, and we know they're few and far between. However, when it happens to you, it, it has a very different impact. This was really your start into the process that, that has resulted in, in NoiseAware. So how did that all happen? How did NoiseAware come out of that, that um, horror story? There was some serendipity involved and, and I'd say some stick-to-itiveness. Um, you know, I, I realized that if I wasn't the first to know about noise issues, I would be the last to find out. You know, relying on your neighbors to be your noise monitor is really kind of the old way of doing things. And it's led to a lot of the issues that we've seen in the industry, not just legislatively, but interpersonally and neighbor to neighbor. So here I was thinking I was you know, doing everything I could and, uh, and I needed something more, but that something more didn't exist. I googled uh, short-term rental noise monitor, Airbnb noise monitor, noise detector, that sort of thing. And, and there was really nothing out there. This was about two years ago. Uh, I was working out of the Dallas Entrepreneur Center where just so happened one day uh, somebody gave a presentation about building custom smart home technology and that somebody happened to be a brilliant electrical engineer who used to build radar systems for the U.S. military, so quite capable fellow. His name is Andrew Schultz and he's now my co-founder. So Andrew, uh, his skill set and ability to create a custom tool that really the big issue is protecting privacy. So he, he was very attuned to all the needs of this particular short-term rental industry. And uh, he was able to build a prototype within about 60 days. And not long thereafter, we entered an accelerator. And, you know, that kind of happened right when you started to see these horror stories pop up. Uh, I think it was a new five crazy things that happened. Uh, after New Year's. So after that, we just kind of got running with it, realized there was a big need out there. Um, so, so what does it do? What, what, what does the technology do for homeowners? It, it works well for homeowners and even better for managers that are responsible for keeping a peaceful environment and, uh, in multiple locations simultaneously. So what NoiseAware does is it, it works like a smoke detector for noise. There's a hardware component and a software component. And we bundle the two and make it a very simple kind of one uh, singular package that are sized for different properties. And so there's either one sensor or multiple, and they go on the wall, screw into the screw plate, and that sensor is built, purpose-built, to protect privacy, but also keep a reading on the, the decibel level at the property. So a manager who's gonna set up 10 properties will have a threshold at each of those properties that they can customize. And that threshold, when breached, triggers an instant notification to them or their staff and allows them to intervene with whatever protocol they might have in place anyways. They just don't have to wait for the neighbors or the police to call them in anymore. 
Okay, so um, talking as a complete technophobe, um, you, you're talking about decibel levels. How, how does how does a manager know how how to, how to set this and what you know if if you get to a certain level, is it is it just one or two people having a shouting match, or is it can you tell that, or is it like more likely to be a party type um, noise group with a dozen or more people? The way noise aware works is we don't we never push you know, you out of the, the trust tree or the, the nest, we, we're a full service kind of account managed concept. We have a 24 hour phone for technophobes and, you know, other folks, anybody who, who needs help. So that's kind of the important thing to understand about our company is, you know, being a vacation rental manager myself, I still manage eight properties. I know it's a 24 hour operation and our commitment to our customers is that we're going to keep you protected against these noise issues by being a 24 hour company ourselves. And so really it takes a five minute setup uh, and what you're doing to the sensors, you're just teaching it your Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi name and Wi-Fi password, and then it's set it and forget it. So our dashboard, you can control those uh, settings around notifications and thresholds. But really once you set it once, it, it really kind of runs on its own. And you know, one, one important thing to note is, uh, you mentioned it earlier, Noise nuisance issues, frankly, are pretty few and far between. There are problem properties, but when they happen, it is best to know first. And the reason for that is your neighbors uh, are de facto noise monitors unless you have something in place. And with the awareness of this industry and really the hyper scrutiny, I think it becomes ever more important to protect neighbors, but really protect neighbor relations. And then on the flip side, you're protecting your guests from getting in trouble. So uh, we call it the accidental rule breaker is the most typical noise nuisance uh, creator. And most people don't go into their vacation rental experience wanting to cause problems or you know, wanting their security deposit revoked or any of that stuff. But our tool really just gives people a, a, a timely uh, notification and most, I'd say 99% of all interactions with guests are friendly, hospitable. How can I help you? Let me make sure that, you know, you're having a quiet stay. And, uh, you know, it just gives people peace of mind on both sides. Tell me about transparency, Dave, and um, sharing with guests that you do have this monitoring in place. What are your views on that? So disclosure is critical to, the, to, no, to noise aware being effective. Um, really where noise aware starts is during your check-in or your vetting process, our customers tell us all the time that they incorporate noise aware in, in the technology into conversations around vetting. If you have a group that you think is high risk, it's great to tell them that you're going to protect them from getting themselves into trouble by, you know, uh, because you have noise monitoring in place. And sometimes those groups that would be causing you the nightmares and the headaches don't you know they, they they steer clear and allow you to operate a more efficient business that way um, additionally so that's one level of disclosure uh, there's also the guidebook and the check-in process where it's often a great time to remind people that hey we have a, a very sensitive building here we have a sensitive neighbor let's uh, you know be aware of that and then oftentimes you know when you check people in and leave, guests go and go about their uh their stay 
and can forget, you know, the four the fourteen different things that you told them during check in. But Noise Aware has your back and their back to keep them out of trouble. Um, and then lastly, you know, we are on a campaign here at Noise Aware to raise the level of education and, and transparency around the whole industry. One of the problems is people feel like criminals operating in this industry right now. I mean, I did after my major noise complaint because I, I feel like I violated some you know, neighbor code. And so disclosing noise aware to your neighbors or to uh, other folks that might live around uh, you know, different stakeholders that have, a, have a, something to say about the short-term rental industry has really given people a chance to say, look, I'm doing something to be uh, even better than the long-term managers. I can respond to problems within five minutes, and that's really you know, a beautiful thing and, and is an outward um, broadcast of responsibility. And, and we really, you know, we find that our customers are running with that concept. It sheds some light on, on the kind of people that are in this industry, which by and large are some of the best people I've ever met in my life. Oh, I'd go along with that. And, and I, love, I love that concept of, of, and I hadn't thought about that, of actually going out and sharing, because we, we, we do encourage our owners to uh, share what they're doing with their neighbours. You know, I'm going to be renting out this summer. This is the first time. And because neighbours obviously have um, all sorts of preconceived ideas of, of what the experience is going to be like, having people coming in and out in, the, in a neighbouring property. So I love that idea of including that in, in your discussion with the neighbors. It's, it, it shows that you are responsible and responsible owner and accept that, that there are risks and, and you're meeting those head on. I, you know, that, that, that's a great idea. Is there anything else you'd, you'd like to share with the audience about the product? You know, I, I do like to, you know, maybe wax poetic on really where this industry is. I, I'm in multiple sides of this industry. I travel, I manage, and now with, with Noise Aware, I'm, I'm full in. I, I'm all in on short-term rentals. And one of the things I realized, because I spend a lot of time with Airbnb and HomeAway's government relations folks and you know, present different bills in cities and talk to managers um, and, and city stakeholders like the people who are behind the desk managing the short-term rental department. Those people are very burdened right now. And I think our entire industry has kind of a, a evolutionary cycle, and we compare it to the Ford Model T. So when the Ford Model T rolled off the assembly line, it's not like there were speed limits, there weren't airbags, there wasn't a driver's license, driver's test, et cetera, et cetera. So products like NoiseAware are part of that evolution where short-term rental awareness has basically tripled and maybe quadrupled in the last, you know, uh, less than half a decade. And that means neighbors are becoming educated as well as travelers and managers. And a tool like NoiseAware is going to prevent major problems, but also minor problems that come up along the way. So being a better neighbor and being more responsible doesn't mean you're irresponsible to begin with, but adopting new things like NoiseAware has helped a lot of our customers just feel more comfortable and, and really prevent major issues. And that, I mean, there's nothing that makes me happier than hearing these success stories of people who didn't have the experience that I had. And that was what we set out to do in the very beginning. Yeah, I, I did talk to one of your customers as well, and that was Derek Eaton from uh, Seattle Oasis Vacation Rentals. 
and and we know that, shout out uh, to Derek <laughs> and we know that uh, that Derek and other managers and independent owners in Seattle are having their own issues with regulations at at the moment so hopefully that this is going to be a tool in their arsenal to present their common voice to Seattle council yeah, and Heather, when we we let's do a uh, broadcast or a, a podcast, excuse me, on regulation. I spend thirty percent of my time in that world. It's fascinating, but it's going to affect all of us mm-hmm. and the folks at home away, like Phil Minardi and, and Matt Curtis. I mean, those have become some of my best friends because we, as an industry, have to hold not just the the city council. And everybody else accountable, but you know when we look at ourselves and say what what more can we do? Um, that's a great conversation to have now. And like I said, I mean the people in this industry just it's heart first. It's the hospitality industry, and it's somewhat maligned. And so correcting that is a mission um, that I'm very passionate about. Well, we shall definitely revisit that, Dave. That would be uh, that would be awesome. So thank I just want to thank you so much for for joining me on on the podcast today. What uh, how can people get hold of you? David at noiseaware.io. I work 24 hours a day, so try <laughs> me. Try me at 4 a.m. I'll get back to you. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you David so much. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you Dave. That was fantastic. And, and I love the bit at the end that, you know, when you're talking about um, uh, short-term rental regulations, because th- th- this is a big issue that faces everybody. It doesn't matter where you are. We're all uh, going to be impacted at this if we're not already. So, yes, I'm sure we will, uh, we, will, we will definitely talk this upcoming weekend because you will be in Toronto for the Vacation Rental Success Summit, which will be ace. Um, I'll be seeing both you and Amanda from... Party Squasher, I, I definitely want to get some more information on, on these products that are coming out to meet the needs of the market today. So, so that's it for another week. Thank you so much for, for joining me. For those of you who are coming to Toronto this weekend, be sure to come along and say hello. Can't wait to meet, meet you. And um, if you're not, then I will be uh, recording all sorts of snippets from the event this weekend and I'll be bringing that to you next week so until then thanks for joining me bye-bye this episode of vacation rental success is over but don't worry Heather will be back soon want more great resources visit cottageblogger.com for tips tricks downloads and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business